welcome to the She Talks Health Podcast, your source for information about all things women's hormonal health. I'm your host, Sophie Shepard. I'm the founder of She Talks Health and the co-creator of the 12-week Empower Her group gut and hormone program. I'm a certified functional health coach and a holistic menstrual health educator. This podcast was created to give you clarity about how to take control over your hormonal health using safer, natural options. I created this podcast to cover the widespread and complex health issues plaguing women today. From the rise of infertility to the epidemically high numbers of women with autoimmune disease to menstrual cycle problems, digestive issues, anxiety, weight gain, food sensitivities, mental, emotional, and energetic imbalances, and so much more. If there's a topic that you need answered, I encourage you to write us at podcast at shetalkshealth.com and we will try our absolute best to cover that subject. My greatest mission in life is to help women radically change their health and their lives by teaching them how they can use their hormones as their superpowers. So with that in mind, I hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome back, everyone, to the She Talks Health podcast. This is your host, Sophie Shepard, FDN and menstrual and gut health coach. I am so excited for today because we get to talk to my good friend, Laura, and we are going to be talking all about the gut-brain connection, one of my favorite all-time topics. Laura Martin is a certified IBS nutrition consultant and founder of Healing to Happy, which is an online holistic gut brain focused company that helps women suffering from IBS and anxiety to get back to eating normally without fear of FODMAPs. After battling her way through IBS, hypothyroidism, anxiety, hormonal imbalances, and skin issues, Laura found herself with an unhealthy relationship with food and knew there had to be a better way. After many failed attempts and lessons learned, she came up with this one method known as the FREE, so free method, that put her symptoms into remission without following restrictive diets or fancy supplement regimens. And yes, that nutrition routine now includes pizza without running to the bathroom. So Laura is has a very similar story to me, and we got to jam every week on Clubhouse as well. So we have become really good friends, and I think we think about this gut-brain connection really, really similarly. So I'm just so excited to have this conversation on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today, Laura. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, me too. And I know I kind of gave a little bit of an intro. You and I have such similar health histories and I've heard you explain it before, but I I would love for the listeners to hear a little bit more about the personal side of things for you. And if you don't mind walking us through where all this started for you with your health journey. Yeah, of course. So it goes back to honestly, as long as I can remember. Um, But I was officially diagnosed with depression when I was 13 and then same thing with IBS. And at the time, chasing those two like separately was just the name of the game at the time. And so very medicated, very just on this path of, oh, I'm broken. Let me self-destruct on the way. Because it didn't – when someone tells you, oh, you have a chemical imbalance and, oh, like this is just the way things are and this is the only thing to fix it, you're like, great, cool. Let me, let me continue spiraling in that path then because this whole – feeling safe around food was just not something I knew. So I started to manipulate my food system, starting to fear it, starting to restrict it, got into very um, intense eating disorders, all that kind of stuff. 
And then as I started to grow into university age, it's like, all right, cool. Let me make peace with my enemies. So I went and started to study psychology and communications and all that kind of stuff. But what went down that route was just learning about this kind of stuff. But we never really touched on, oh, you can heal this using foods, right? Like it was always here's medication or talk therapy or all these different forms of modality, which are all great, right? Like I do all of them. They're awesome. But um, wasn't really a solution-based thing, just a management thing. And then after unexpectedly losing my mother when I was um, 22, um, my last semester of college, I did as all mature adults do, ran away from my problems to Asia. And the thing that happens when you don't have a stable foundation, it does not matter where you live. You are just going to continue to find your problems. And I decided to throw myself, well, take away food, I guess, like throw myself into a very orthorexic state of food and went on this mission to find my, heal my gut, heal my relationship to nutrition and ended up just spiraling out of control there and didn't really. And then when I was sitting in a cafe one day and was like, what am I going to do? Like, I don't really know. My friend was like, ah, I mean, you have a really unhealthy relationship with food. Why don't you go back and study that? Like, <laughs> learn about this. But it took me the complete opposite direction where I became totally obsessed with it and realized if I am doing all these stuff that these gut specialists and doctors and functional nutritionists and this whole team of people, if I'm doing this correctly, why do I still feel so bad? Like, what is going on here? And so even though, like, I went and got my certifications, I did all that kind of stuff, I still felt horrible. Like I was so confused as to why my hair was falling out and my skin was flaring up and I had missed my period for five years and like I could not poop for weeks. Like well, not like one time a week was basically what it was averaging. And finally when I was sitting in my naturopath's office, she was like, do you want to talk about how your depression is linked to your IBS? And I was like, what? Like I knew the gut-brain connection. I knew all this kind of stuff, but I had one been so depressed for so long that I didn't even that was just my normal. I didn't even identify as being depressed anymore. And two was like, what are you talking about, doc? Like what, what is this whole gut brain connection? And that's kind of what led me down as the universe has it, like my past with psychology and my forefront with nutrition, just kind of birthed together to make this baby and realize that it wasn't food that was the issue. And being so afraid of food really started to take over my life and my relationships. And if these methods had been working, why was I still so afraid of food? And if low FODMAP was meant to be the way, shouldn't I be feeling better by now? And these supplements, like it was just this whole thing. And that's what kind of led me down this rabbit hole of, okay, let's start to get to the root of what the actual issue is here, which was this whole gut brain connection thing. And now I learn, teach and preach this stuff. Laura, thank you for sharing. I didn't know that about your mom. I'm really sorry to hear that you went through that so early in life and and how much that connected to your health. Um, And I think, gosh, you talked about a lot of things that women talk to us about on the daily, right? The um, unhealthy relationship with food, food fear, um, trying to do it all right and still feeling terrible. Um, and that is truly, you know, for me, why, and I know you and I've talked about this a lot on clubhouse, but like why I got into functional nutrition in the first place was like, because there is more to it than just a diet. So I would love to, I would love to talk about, 
Well, <laughs> I want to talk about the diet part, but I think before we do, we should probably give the audience a little bit of an understanding of the gut-brain connection because maybe that's something that is new for them. I know, I think we talked about this with my with my business partner for Empower Her, um, Kyleen, maybe on the last episode um, that we talked about, but it's been a while. And you described this gut-brain connection on Clubhouse the other day. And I was like, that is just fire. So would you would you give us a little bit of your interpretation of what the gut-brain access is, how they how they work together and how they inform one another? Yeah. And I mean like nowadays gut health is super sexy and I feel like the gut-brain connection is just not as spoken about as much. So We are made up of trillions upon trillions of bacteria, and we give this all this bad name, but really we need these bacteria, we need them to be in a balance. A majority of this bacteria is actually housed within our gut lining, which is so cool. And in that gut lining is housed things like serotonin, norepinephrine, GABA, these things that keep us happy, rewarded, and calm, okay? And they are in constant communication with the brain due to this thing called the gut-brain axis. And so... It's your longest cranial nerve. It goes from your your brainstem to your gut and gives off these action potentials along the way. So you've maybe heard of the gut as called as the second brain. And there's two reasons. One, the first reason I just said, it has the neurotransmitter the same way the brain does. But two, it gives off these action potentials. You don't have to get, tell your lungs to breathe, your heart to beat, your food to digest. Your gut and your brain connecting together run entirely on its own. And actually, majority of the communication goes from your gut to your brain. And so when we're having these inflammatory responses, which is just what it is, right? When we have anxiety or depression, that's an inflammatory response. When we have IBS or cramping or bloating or constipation, that's just an inflammatory response. And so we can understand these two things. They're talking to each other. So if we want to tackle one, we can't just bypass the other. We have to tackle both at the same time. I love what you just said. Um, Let me just pull this part out because maybe this is something you've never heard, uh, listeners that depression and anxiety are inflammation. So we, we, you know, if you, if you look at, um, the research, you will see that that is, that is true. And we know that inflammation is like the root cause of all disease, right? So it doesn't really matter what disease you're talking about. Really, it comes back to inflammation and where does inflammation start? It starts in the gut. So (laughs) This is why Laura and I both believe that's where you have to start. But like Laura said earlier, there's also like the brain component. So she's not discounting the fact that you need to work on on um, maybe some counseling or some breathing or other things that help with the brain part. But we have to we have to also look at the gut and how it actually talks to the brain more than the other way around. So good. I love this description. So, so good. Thank you so much, Laura. Of course. I, it's just like a huge factor that's like missed, right? Like we want the quick fix and we forget that just like when we have an open wound, like we have a cut on our arm, we see the we see the inflammation there, we can put a Band-Aid on it, maybe some Manuka honey, you know, like put something on it to let it heal. But when we have anxiety, brain fog, depression, that's our open wound, right? Like it needs to be treated in the same way of like, hey, how can I nurture you so you could heal in a way that actually amplifies my health, not just masks the symptom down the line even further. Absolutely. And, you know, 
we have gotten really good at ignoring those symptoms, right? Um, and I always say, like, listen to your symptoms when they're whispering so you don't have to um, – you don't have to stop your entire life when <laughs> your symptoms are screaming at you, right? And, like, for for Laura and I, like, with similar situations, our skin, you know, hypothyroidism, like, I don't know about you, but, like, my life stopped when my health – when I got my Hashimoto's diagnosis. It was, like, I couldn't do anything because I had been kind of – ignoring the symptoms for so long, um, but they were right there because we were never trained to think that way, right? Exactly, exactly. So you and I both, let's talk about the FODMAP thing <laughs> because I really <laughs> want to talk about FODMAPs. So um, so I, I had been diagnosed with IBS when I was, thir- uh, no, sorry, 15 or 16 and went through high school and college, just doing the quote, like IBS diet, which is just like bullshit, basically. Um, <laughs> it's like BS. Um, and I, uh, I thought that I was doing what I needed to do because I was avoiding acidic foods and chocolate and coffee and things. Right. But then, um, after college, i developed Hashimoto's. And then after that, I developed SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And we just had an incredible woman speak about um, SIBO, Phoebe Lapine. Um, And during that SIBO part of life, I was super anxious. I had come off my antidepressant um, and I was unknowingly dealing with SIBO because of my anxiety. But before I figured that out, I went to my functional medicine doctor that originally healed my my IBS symptoms and my Hashimoto's, and I tried to do the whole supplement thing, and I tried to do, you know, all the, the low FODMAP thing, and it was really hard. And I got super triggered because I was like, how can this healthy food, how can this avocado be, be hurting me? And so all of a sudden, every single thought I had about food was a stress. And that was actually making my symptoms worse. So (laughs) I know you talk about this a lot. How does diet impact, you know, our gut brain connection? Is there a time for, you know, restriction or changes in the diet to, to do deeper healing? And how do we navigate that with, um, the feelings of, you know, orthorexia, or any sort of nervous system impingement from restriction of food and, and being nervous about our foods that we're eating? That is such a loaded question. <laughs> I know. That's what we do I here at the She Talks Health Podcast. And by it's... the way, I just realized I just said um, the word bullshit. So now I have to write explicit in this <laughs> podcast, apparently. So explicit. I mean, that's what IBS is. Like at the end of the day, you even said it the other day on Clubhouse. It's just like at the end of it is BS because we don't know what's wrong with you. So after you go through the proper analysis, you get like the right tests done, you get all that kind of stuff where you know it's not some autoimmunity or parasite or overgrowth, all that kind of stuff. You get you rule that out. They're like, we don't actually know what's wrong with you. Here's the thing. Like, let's cut out foods. Let's do that one thing that everyone wants to do is like be on a diet and restrict this stuff. And that's great when it's well-guided, sure. But that's not the root issue. The root issue is why can't you digest those foods to begin with? And that is not spoken about because a healthy body can digest pizza, can have chocolate. Just like before you got on here, you're just like, I love chocolate. Like you were eating <laughs> your thing. <laughs> I was and, eating chocolate yeah, before we started. And like those things... When you actually get to the root cause, you can get back to eating 
not just normally, but optimally, your body can handle these minor stressors. But when it's on, this is why, like, if you go over to my Instagram, I have this thing called, where like food sensitivity kits are just like crap. Like, I'm just, I'm not a fan of it. I think they're trash because food sensitivity. Oh my God. It drives me nuts because you're not explaining the whole thing that having a reaction to food is actually normal in a healthy body. And that's what you're testing at home. And so when you are, and usually that's why you see the most common foods that you're eating because you've just eaten them. So it's reacting in your body or counter, you have a leaky gut, which you already do, which is why you're taking the test because something is wrong with you. And it's leaking through that, that barrier. So if you're attacking food and eliminating those foods, you're actually just weakening the digestive enzymes that used to be used to digest that. And now you're going to be more and more sensitive the time you're adding it in. And that's where I see with in my clients, within all that kind of stuff, they'll be, oh, like I cut out dairy and then two weeks later, oh, now gluten's an issue. Oh, now peanuts, now shellfish, now. And like, it's all these different laundry lists of food because you're not getting to the root as to why are you not digesting food to begin with? And that goes back to stomach acid, right? And so what often I see is from a lot of people is like, oh, I have too high of stomach acid. And this is why I feel these burning and cramping and all that kind of stuff, which is not true. What is actually happening is you have inflammation in your body. You have weak mucus layer on your gut and you have a weak um, esophageal sphincter, fun to say. Um, And when you address these things, you're able to get back to eating normally and you can't undermine the impact stress is doing to this. Like when you're looking at an avocado and you're like... Like freaking out about it, your body is not tapping into that rest and digest. It's freaking out because the blood flow that is supposed to be going to your digestive system is now going to your brain and your muscles, which is, but like you're turning food into fuel. That's freaking amazing. But that takes a lot of energy and it needs a lot of blood flow. And so if you're just freaking out, and I call it like the food hangover because you're sitting there and you're like, oh, that avocado, like, is it going to flare me up? Oh, that chocolate, uh, I can't have it your digestive enzymes are now going to your brain and your muscles as opposed to your gut, which is where it should be going. You just covered a lot of things that (laughs) I think the audience might need some more clarification on. We've talked about some of the stuff in the past, just as a reminder, um, we, um, I'm just gonna go back. Okay. So listeners, she talked about leaky gut and food sensitivities. So what she's saying is that food sensitivities are a symptom of a, um, physical, impairment in the body called intestinal hyperpermeability or the slang is is leaky gut and that is fascinating because most people who have gut issues have leaky gut and what it is is exactly how it sounds and if you want to think about this as a visual i always think of this as like your gut being a layer of saran wrap and <laughs> uh foods that are inflammatory or toxins or um, birth control pills or other medications or stress, poke little toothpick holes in your saran wrap, in your lining. And now you have a permeability between the outside world and the inside world. And that permeability that where it goes after is directly into your bloodstream, which is where your immune cells are held. So that's what tricks up that inflammation. And that's what can cause, like she was saying earlier, that anxiety or depression in the brain. So that's just how, like, that's why she's saying, (laughs) I think that food sensitivity testing is kind of also BS because it's just a, a food sensitivity is really a symptom of a larger issue. And, um, the larger issue in this case being potentially leaky gut and also other digestive functions like low stomach acid, low pancreatic enzymes, low, no gallbladder. So you're not digesting and assimilating fat 
you know, all these things. So when we think about food sensitivities or why am I having a pain, we got to think about how is digestive function working? And then you mentioned something called rest and digest, which is part of, of course, the nervous system. And that, you know, if you're stressed about the avocado or the chocolate, you can't possibly be in a place of the nervous system called rest and digest, which is where all of those body physical symptoms actually are released, like the pancreatic enzymes and stomach acid and all the other things she was talking about. So I hope this is making sense to everybody now. <laughs> we just covered like I'm so excited about it. <laughs> I know. We we just get Laura and I love to talk about this stuff and we just go off. And uh sometimes I'm like, man, I, I hope we're explaining because like I forget like that we've known this for a long time because we lived this, right? <laughs> so um I love I love just everything you just said. It's it's great. Um okay, so we covered gut brain connection and that food sensitivities are probably um, not the main cause. Although I will say, I guess I, I do think that I haven't seen, you know, kind of going back to, is there a time to eliminate certain foods? What I will say is like, I, I still can't really digest a lot of gluten or dairy, like cow's dairy. Um, I mean, I can, but I just don't, it doesn't go as well as I would like. So I just choose to take, I, I choose those to be out of my, of my diet. I'm sure that I could continue to work on it and get it to a good place, but I just haven't seen like a benefit, um, in myself or any client in terms of the inflammatory response for those two foods for the most part, not like a hundred percent. Um, but that's yeah, just gluten, gluten's one that like, that's questionable, right? Like I choose to not consume it because it's not that, it's not that I don't consume it. It's, I will do it in micro doses when, you know, I want pizza. I'm dating a New Yorker. He likes pizza, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but like in small doses, it's just gluten free options are also not as good as gluten containing options. So it's really knowing how to read labels and looking at that kind of stuff. When it comes to dairy, I, I've been able to consume it before it would flare up my entire body, all that kind of stuff. But it does come from understanding reintroduction, all that kind of stuff. Cause I do see a lot of people go the complete opposite route where they're like, Oh, I've been restricting for 10 years. And then they're just like housing all this food. And I'm like, Oh my like, gosh. Go ahead, go ahead, do it. Like, you're going to learn that it, your body doesn't want that either. But once you start to understand that, like, binging and all this kind of food and all that kind of stuff is, again, another inflammatory response. When you actually slow down a bit, tune into your body, like you said, you're able to tell, you know, dairy and gluten just don't work for you. I Dairy does work for me, gluten, not so much. But other people, like, that's where that self analysis comes in and that self intuition and self awareness that we're so quick to outsource. Like, we just want someone to be like, oh no, like, I'm gonna go keto or carnivore or paleo, yeah. do all this kind of stuff and follow that. And it's like, what is that even right for you? Like, do you even know what's right for you? Right. I think, I mean, we have to move away from like the diet cult culture and diet fads because, like, we've been around for a lot longer than the carnivore diet was around or the keto diet was around. Like, we can't just slap a label on ourselves and be like, well, my friend lost weight on this and her, you know, gut issues resolved on this. So that's what I have to do. You know, we have to take an, a bio-individual approach and I, I think uh, in order to be successful for the most part, 
Um, some, I think maybe sometimes you get lucky, but then you're maybe stuck on a diet that you don't want to be on. And I know a big one that you even mentioned in your bio is the low FODMAP diet. So this is something that's prescribed a lot or, you know, people just randomly start take doing it. Like we hear on Clubhouse all the time, well, I've been doing low FODMAPs and now I can't reintroduce FODMAP foods. So what the heck is a, is the low FODMAP? We talked about this with Phoebe Lapine, but what is a low FODMAP diet? Why do you not agree with it as a form of treatment? Okay. So low, like going low FODMAP is you're cutting out these indigestible fibers and sugars and stuff that usually will cause a flare up in the body. I'm doing air quotes here. Usually, not really. But that's because you're not re- dealing with the issue as to why can you not take in these kind of fibers and you're not going to the digestive enzymes, you're not going to the pancreas, you're not going to the bile production, all that kind of stuff, like your natural laxative producing organs in your body, that's where you have to start. But low FODMAP is just so restrictive. You're cutting out major, major food groups. And this is where you start to see food fear come into place. And I hear all too often is like, oh no, like I can manage it. And it's, and that's the take that you have on it. And it's like, that's great that you can manage it. But like, are you having benders on the weekend? Are you feeling a little limited? Do you always have to bring your snacks with you? Are you stressed out about food? Do you have a flare up? Even if you like look at some broccoli, like how is that actually going for you? And when you can set that aside, and I know you've seen that a lot on Clubhouse too, where people are like, no, like this is, this is the way, like they're so about it. I'm like, (laughs) I'm not here to knock you off that ledge. Like if you are convinced that that is what's going to keep you in your lane, fine. But where you and I come into play is for those people that are really looking for something else. And they're like, okay, like I'm done with that. Like that is not my arena. This is, there's gotta be more to life that I can actually enjoy a spring barbecue and like go out to eat and have this freedom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But with the low FODMAP, again, it's not the FODMAPs. It's not the oligosaccharide hoojimajiggers that's causing the issue. It's it's why is your body not digesting these enzymes that like your neighbor friend is producing so that she can digest these foods? Yeah, that's a, my biggest issue with with that as like a standalone is that like we should be able to eat and I'm gonna do it fermentable oligosaccharides, disaccharides, monosaccharides, and polyols. What that means (laughs) is basically vegetable carbohydrates, okay? So, like, we should be able to, and in fact, those foods should be helping to diversify, right? We'll talk about that in a second. But, like, if you look, if if you search low FODMAP diet, you'll see, like, avoid garlic and beans and onions and blackberries and like avocados and all these like things that are really useful for our gut. So yeah, it's not, it's not the avocado's fault. (laughs) Why are you going to hate on the avocado? (laughs) And and the thing with like the low FODMAP diet, when we speak about gut health, we're so into talking about like prebiotics and probiotics, right? But we forget polyphenols. And when you're on the low FODMAP diet, you're eliminating a lot of the foods that have polyphenols in them because they're quote unquote like starchy and what have you. But like those things, your gut needs to thrive. And when you're cutting those out, like you're just going to get trapped in this elimination cycle. And it's just so disheartening to see. Tell, tell the audience what polyphenols are. And then let's talk about um, maybe prebiotics and probiotics too. We've talked about it before, but it's worth to talk about again. Yeah. So polyphenols are basically just like the richest form of anti- antioxidants in the body. And they help to really, as we spoke on so heavily today, inflammatory foods. So your body needs its own antioxidants and to really take the, take these things out of the body. So when you're looking at foods that are polyphenols, 
think those dark leafy greens, those are great, but like the purples, the dark greens, things like that, that you really want to be getting into your diet. But if you follow the FODMAP, you're going to see you can't have those. So yeah, I love, I love that. Yeah. And you, you hit the nail on the head, you know, inflammation is going to cause oxidative stress and damage. That's going to change your DNA. That's what causes cancer and other diseases in the body. And so antioxidants and polyphenols, what they do is they help to balance that, right? And they give your body the the micronutrients that it needs. So super important, um, especially in the gut, which is where we digest them. Um, let, why don't we spend like a second to talk about prebiotics for a second? Because there's a lot of conversation about probiotics, but we know that prebiotics are essential. Um, but a lot of times with gut issues, we can't digest them. There's a trend here in this podcast episode about not being able to digest foods and therefore we should eliminate them. But in reality, that's not true. So what are prebiotics? Why do we need them? And why might someone not be able to digest them? Yeah. So it goes back to it's this undigestible food particle that actually, as we spoke on earlier, feeds like we're made up of those trillions of bacteria. We need to fuel them. So think of Pac-Man. The big are the probiotic. And then the little tiny little dots that they're eating out the way are the prebiotic fibers. And then they get to like the watermelon and they're like, and they're like having a dance. That's exactly what it is. And you need to let that kind of go through. I love the Pac-Man analogy for pre and probiotics. I always use the fertilizer analogy. That is amazing. Okay. So, right. So exactly. So prebiotics um, and probiotics. I love it uh, for the Pac-Man analogy. Okay. So then what happens is sometimes we can't digest them, right? Because our gut is terrible. <laughs> it's exactly. a terrible place. Because you're not, it's just like a muscle. If you're not working it out, it's not going to work. And the more you're taking away, say you're not doing like strength training or cardio, or you're missing out on like different yoga, like you're taking these things away, you're not going to be flexible, or you're not going to have cardio, or you're not going to be able to lift weights. Like it's not strengthened. Just as your digestive tract, just as those enzymes, when you're taking things away, when you throw it in there, you're going to be like, what is this? I can't pick up this weight. I can't run that mile. I can't do things. It's the same thing that your digestion is freaking out about these undigestible food particles. It needs to be strong enough to tolerate them. Otherwise, it's going to set off some type of irritable bowel response because that's at the core. IBS, irritable bowel, it's going to have irritation. But on it, like it sucks and I get it, but the only way out is through that's it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think this speaks into the whole diversity thing. Like we, like you said, when you were first describing the gut brain connection, like we are made up of trillions and trillions of cells and bacteria and our bacteria need to be eating things that help the good, you know, outside, you know, balance outside the bad and, um, prebiotics are, are part of that and, and plant diversity. Right. So can you talk about how we actually need to be eating more, not restricting? Like what kinds of things do we need to be eating more of? And again, obviously it's going to be individual, like, but in general, like where would you kind of start if you had a a brand new client or someone came to you and they're like, I've been on low FODMAP or I've been, I don't know what they're doing there, (laughs) carnivore or my gut really hurts. Um, How would we, uh, how would you walk someone through including more foods? Yeah. So it's slow and steady. Like that's the thing we have to remember. It doesn't mean you book your next buffet tomorrow and you start going ham. Like I wish that was the case, but that's not going to go over well. But what I usually start out with is well-cooked veggies. 
like very, very, very well cooked. Get a pressure cooker. Those things are great. Um, put it in there, get some stews. Make sure if you are doing any type of grain, I try and shy away from those in the beginning, but if you do do that, sprouted grains, getting those squash starchy vegetables. Oh my goodness, especially ladies, like you need them. Your body to repair needs glucose. So I often see a lot of women that have been doing low carb, low FOD, and trying to go keto. Like that's been their jam because they're like, oh, well, like I feel like better. And then I'm like, and then you hit a plateau, don't you? Like that's what happens. Like, of course you feel that adrenaline rush at first. Like your body is eating itself. It is really psyched out right now. So we start by slowly incorporating different forms of starchy veg plus well-cooked vegetables, staying away from the cruciferous ones because they're just a little bit too hard to digest in the beginning. Um, Even now, like my gut has been good. Like they're just freaking hard. Like eating broccoli, I'm gassy and my partner's not happy about going to bed with me. Like it just (laughs) doesn't work. But like they're also quite good for your liver. So give and take, but not in the beginning of healing your gut. Um, And then focusing on quality functional foods. So this is things like liver and organ meats and like dark red meats and sardines and oysters and fatty fish, like the things that aren't as sexy that we're so afraid of now, but making sure you're getting stuff like that and then pairing it with a nice sexy fat because I will put my nails to a freaking chalkboard if I hear one more time, eat more fiber, drink more water when it comes to gut health. It's like, no, when you have a something stuck in a like a hose or a wheel on a bike, do you throw water at it or you, do you put oil in it to slide things through? Same thing. Like you need to have healthy sources of fat and you need to have a healthy ratio, right? Like you also see this where people are going to ham on the keto and they're like putting butter in everything they eat and wondering why they're not feeling well. So you need to have a healthy balance between soluble and insoluble fibers and the healthy fats to make sure things slide through. And so that's usually, I know that was a lot, but things that I would start people on is making sure starchy veg, functional foods, things like quality proteins, dark organ kind of meats, um, well-cooked vegetables and healthy fats starting there. I agree. I actually have my vital proteins, beef liver capsules actually right here. Yeah. That's what my dad gave me for Christmas. Oh, so good. (laughs) Yeah. And like, you're uh, listening to this probably being like, oh my God, they eat red meat? What? Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I honestly, so one of my um, clients, I just got her on vital proteins actually. And she goes, it's like two days later, she goes, am I supposed to be feeling this good already? And I'm like, it's probably just a combination of like everything we've been doing. But like, yes, it does feel good. Yeah, because like we've been told to, again, we've been told to restrict, restrict, restrict. And it's like, if you look at a functional food like liver, for example, that Laura so smartly um, said, it's like, it's packed with the actual absorbable, quickly absorbable nutrients that our body needs. And that includes our gut, like B vitamins and vitamin A. We need these foods and these nutrients. So, um, I, I think it's really smart that that's the approach you take. Um, I take a, a similar one. Um, and I mean, I know, you know, one thing I do see a lot is that, a lot of my clients do have pretty severe H. pylori, which is a bacteria that lives in the stomach and that that will lower stomach acid. And, you know, you can't just jump into raising stomach acid if you have H. pylori. But it's like also then we can't digest as much animal protein. So if you're listening to this and you're like, 
well, I like animal protein, but I can't digest it. It's possible that you might need to do some testing and see like what's going on with your stomach acid or what's going on, you know, with, with H. pylori or something like that. Right. So I think that's important to just mention because some people are like, oh, I can't process meat, you know, because it's so, it is a lot for our body to digest it. It is. And this is where like looking at, okay, so when you're trying to heal the gut and hormones and what have you, you're trying to repair the liver and the pancreas. So eating those foods will probably give you those same benefits to boost that organ back up. But at first you might need some extra support in that, which linking arms with a professional that gets it one, but also looking, okay, like digestive bitters, or do you need some ox bile? Do you need like different kind of supplements to help you through until we can get your body to elevate its own digestive enzymes? Yeah. I think that's really important, especially, I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I meet a lot of women who've had their gallbladder removed, which mm-hmm. is of course where we store our bile. And, you know, we were talking about that earlier in terms of making sure we have enough fat, right? But if we have, we're eating, if, if we have no gallbladder and then all of a sudden we're eating like a keto diet <laughs> and you have no bile to help you digest that fat, you're going to run into some problems, right? So this is why you can't just slap like a diet label onto your IBS and hope that it will magically disappear. You have to take a bio-individual approach, I think. That's the thing. Like it's like it's stop chasing symptoms. Like you're having symptom management you're in like relief, but you're not actually healing it. Totally. So we talked a lot about food, superfoods, functional foods for the gut. I love that that term, functional functional foods, functional gut foods. Um, I think I'd I'd love to hear from you too about the other aspects since we're we're talking about the gut brain access. I know that um, dealing with past trauma for me was a huge deal. Like I was definitely stuck in a nervous system loop where, you know, not just the avocado, but other things were really causing me a lot of stress. And it sounds like you had a similar situation losing your mom and your food trauma as well, um, or food stress. So talk, talk to us about how the brain also impacts the gut and and what uh, stress management or other tools you use or like to talk about to help with this gut brain IBS connection. Yeah. So, I mean, after losing my mom in that way, and then also falling into a really, really toxic, abusive relationship after that, there was just a lot of trauma in my life that how I dealt with it was through food. It was, okay, I'm going to restrict in this way because when the world is spinning so fast around you, the one thing you can control is your plate in your body. And so that's what I chose and not realizing at the same time, like, yes, quote unquote, it was healthy. Like I was eating broccoli and what have you, but like, I wasn't dealing with the emotional trauma. And so what came of that was taking radical responsibility for what was going on in my life. I realized I was at the lowest point I've ever been and I was just sitting there and I was like, hey, I'm not at fault for these things, right? But I am responsible how I am continually choosing this. And so that's when I had the humble decision. I've been in and out of therapy like my whole life, but it wasn't until this moment that I actually wanted it. And so I surrendered to the fact of, hey, I have no clue what I'm doing. And surrounded myself in that environment. And I had a team, right? Like I had my functional doctors. I had my naturopaths. I had my therapists. I had my Reiki healers. I had all these different outlets because it was one of those things where I was like, okay, like I have a really good understanding of the food side of stuff, right? Like I, I get that part. 
but what is going on with my brain and why is this impacting my health so much? And when my body started to literally repel everything I was doing, I was like, okay, the body is de- like that book. The body is definitely keeping the score right now. Hmm. And so diving more into how do I downregulate my nervous system to know that it's safe to heal? Because I had chose, I had taken responsibility. I put myself into these environments where I was constantly in fight or flight. I was constantly questioning like if I was going to live or not. And like that in my body was putting this blood flow. Now that I know this was giving the blood flow to my heart and my lungs and my muscles so that I could book it so I could survive. And so when I did practices like meditation, when I went to therapy, when I started doing journaling, when I started taking a second to breathe, like the biggest thing I do now before and after meals is four deep belly breaths so that I can actually kick up my peristalsis and my parasympathetic nervous system. Because think about it, if you're rushing in between meetings and you're doing all this kind of stuff and you're just stressed and you're thinking about this avocado, like your body isn't actually producing the right bile and the production that it needs so that it can take in this food. And so when you can stimulate this gut-brain connection through the vagus nerve and really get things going, you can actually digest your food. And so simple things like that people can start doing today is four deep belly breaths before and after meals that will help to rev that up and get your body ready for food and ready to digest food. And then another one, like simple things like cold showers or humming, like hum while you do the freaking dishes, like that helps to stimulate the nervous system so that you can actually, or the vagus nerve so that you can actually digest your food. But it really does you can't do one without the other. And that like, I don't see enough of that spoken about because we're so taboo to talk about mental health and struggles and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, you can't look at one without the other. Mm, You cannot. And I'm sure your practice as, as mine has gotten incredibly busy this past year with the, with the onslaught of this pandemic and how that affects people's nervous systems, trauma and stress and Gosh, our stories are so similar. I was also in an emotionally abusive um, relationship, and that that really screws you up with your gut and like your brain and storing it all in your body. And like it took it takes multiple layers. I think that's something else that I want to make sure we touch on is just that you're not going to take a magical supplement and all your problems are going to get fixed. You're not going to do one diet or eliminate one food or add one food and everything's going to be fixed, right? Like it takes time and effort and work and hopefully working with people who really understand not just the physiology, but you as a person. Um, And I think consistency is really important. Exactly. And it's one of those things that they say it in business, like at a new level, there's a new devil. And that, that kind of makes sense because you're never, you can't just attack one and expect the others to go away, right? Like you, sure, like I chose nutrition and then I was like, ooh, mental health stuff. And then like going through that, but when you're in the depths of it, you think you're so unique. You think it's just you, you have to do it your own. You read a book here, you read a book there and you're like, why isn't this working? Like have no idea. But the sooner, like when you start to actually release your control on it a little bit, you realize you don't have to do it alone. And that's when the magic sauce actually starts to take place. And you're sitting there and you're like, okay, like I'm going to move forward in this direction. And we can't just count like trauma happens, right? Like we can't think that doesn't impact us and we can't bypass that and we can't pop a pill or eat some salmon and be like, oh, that's, I got my omega-3s. Like I'm fine. It's like, no, you still have to actually talk to someone about what happened. Like that's not, you can't skip that, you know? And I think it's really hard for people. Maybe I'm just like saying that, but I do see more and more where it's like, 
we don't have the communication style to say we're not doing okay. You know, and especially when it does come to mental health and wellness. And this is why, like, it it's the silent pandemic going on right now. Or how do you actually express I'm not doing okay without putting too much on or taking too much on? And I do think that's one positive that came from this pandemic is people are now speaking. People are now, okay, so what can I do? How can I resource? How can I invite this conversation to be a little bit more normal? Mm-hmm. I, I think you're right. I think we're seeing a change in that, which is, is wonderful. And we have to normalize the conversation around mental health. Um, and if you think about the idea that our mental health imbalances are, are basically inflammation and we have a, a, an epidemic of inflama- inflammatory diseases in this country and around the world, then you really start to see that we have to talk about this. So um, I'm glad you mentioned like the, the belly breathing. That's definitely something that I do. Um, before I eat when I, when I can remember. Um, and I, I think, you know, the talk therapy that helped me subconscious, um, stuff I needed to, you know, they say this, the conscious mind's only 5% and subconscious is 95%. So that's where you get a little bit into the woo woo, right? Like energetics. Um, and that really helped me, um, big time. So, I'm just glad that we're able to even have these conversations. I think that people are starting to reach out and they're starting to get help. And I have a client right now who's sounds so much like maybe a version of, of you or like a something, but she, she's 17 and she's, um, orthorexic. Um, she's been diagnosed with anorexia, but really like in looking at her eating patterns, I see her just being very like, I can't eat this. Like she won't eat an apple because it has too much sugar or whatever. And, um, but when we look at it uh, holistically, like she's under so much stress from school, it's just so much stress. And she's been taking a little vacation. Apparently she's been doing a lot better. And so you just can't underestimate how, how, um, our life will impact, like how we perceive stressors will impact our gut right now. Having said all that, she also has like a parasite and other things she has to deal with. So it's it's why we have to have this whole podcast about both working on both at the same time. So you see that a lot with people traveling too, don't you? Where they're like, oh, like I went to Europe and I could have all the baguettes, and you're like, hmm, I wonder where that was. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. Well, other than the fact that the the baguette maybe not have glyphosate in it, (laughs) it's also because they're relaxed when they're eating, right? Exactly. So true. Exactly. Awesome, Laura. So um, tell us how someone would get in touch with you. I think you have your Healing to Happy is your brand. How, how do people find you? Yeah. So honestly, easiest way, just come hang out on Instagram, slide into my DMs. That's Laura Martin underscore H2H. And then from there, you can either go to the link in the bio and it has like your step one, your step two, and it's all just set out there. But that's the easiest way because I'm in there all day long just chatting with people. Awesome. Okay. So Instagram, Laura Martin underscore H two H. Um, and, uh, you have a signature program, right? Gut recharge. Yeah. The gut recharge program. So that's my six week course. That's a self-paced group program. Um, you do that. And then I have my one-on-one eight week gut accelerator program, which is like these, I just, they're just like these beautiful containers where you see magic happen and people just come into themselves and find this freedom and understand food and like, they're my pride and joy. <laughs> I know. I love it. I, I, yeah, I, I love my, I love my ladies that come and help. Right? Help their gut. I love it so much. <laughs> awesome. Is there anything else you wanted to throw in? Any last bits of advice, resources, books, anything that you 
you want to throw in? There's something I always say, which is you can't be at war with your body and win. And I think we spend a lot of our time in this day and age trying to manipulate, out-supplement, out-do, out-what-have-you. But the sooner you sit down and go, okay, so what is this trying to tell me? That's when you actually start to get the answers and find that freedom. So I'll yes. leave you with that. I love it. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, Laura. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. And for everyone listening, this is Sophie Shepard, founder of She Talks Health. You can also find me on Instagram at She Talks Health, but I think you already knew that. And I hope this has been incredibly, incredibly helpful for you. Please go check out Laura Martin on Instagram if you are looking for some support in the gut health arena. All right. Talk to you later. I hope this episode got you one step closer to achieving your optimal health. If you liked this episode, please spend a few seconds to rate it so more women can find this resource. Be sure to tune in for more women's health support next week on the She Talks Health podcast. And in the meantime, you can find me on Instagram or Facebook at She Talks Health. I have an open door DM policy. No question is stupid and I'm always here for you.